three, four. Two friends get together so that we can try things. You're invited to this podcast so that you can try things. Now we will stop singing so that we can all now try this. Oh, remix edition. Coming at you live. Hi, guys. This is Now Try This coming at you live. No, that's Lysa Koshy's. That's mm, I'm just gonna steal every YouTuber and you know, other I, podcasters' intro. I always thought about that. Like, just steal other people's intro. What's up, shady people? Shady, uh, yep. Shady Nick here. Shady Nick. What's your favorite intro for a podcaster uh, YouTuber? Uh, I like. I like. I'm. I'm uh, partial to. It's your boy Jack here, Jacksepticeye, the... even though I don't watch his videos. What like, is it? Turn up in the morning to your laddies. He like blows out the he microphone every time. He really does that? Yeah, he really fucking okay. does that. Well, this also this podcast can't be that long because I just looked at the battery life and it's not full. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we'll finish it up real quick. So I'm going to keep watching that, but we got to say it should be enough for a podcast. Great. Cool. Fantastic. Let's get right into it then. Mm-hmm. Nick, on the last episode, you gave me... But before we get to that, this month... Oh, I'll... Yes. All the I like, challenges. Hold on, I like vibrated something. It was yeah, you're still hitting things. <laughs> what did I? Why did I hit something? Did I told you last phone? time. I know, but what did I hit? Why did I hit it? You just hit. You karate chopped the side of the staircase. This is why I'm not allowed to be around people. Okay, <laughs> so uh, this month is burr. It's October, and there's scary things, so we have to do scary things as challenges month. We should have just done pumpkin spice month and just done pumpkin spice related (laughs) challenges. Or just done all normal challenges, but we're just drinking pumpkin spice lattes. There you go. Today, pumpkin pie. That would have been so much easier, man. God damn it. Next year. This is not hard. You have have a lot of horror things. That's true. Um, I didn't have any. I had trouble last week, but then I had no trouble this week coming up with a challenge. Last week, did drag me. Drag me to hell? Drag me to hell. Drag me to hell is what we did last week. And it was the shittiest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Spoilers for last episode. If you missed that awesomeness, please check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, and other places that podcasts are available. Uh, it was real bad. It was. For you. Um, um. And for me, because I rewatched it, and on the rewatch, I realized I did not like it as much as I thought I did. Uh, which so is much kind of vomit. disappointing. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, the th- way I like vomit is not so. <laughs> it's zero. No, it's not even on the scale. <laughs> it's not even on the scale. Oh, but this week it was my challenge to you. And what did I give you, Marcus? Sad man. No, 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 no. That's not. That's not. No, no, no. That's not. No, no, no. no. That's not how you introduce him. Okay. How do you do it? I gave you. Neil Gaiman's opus, critically acclaimed, award-winning, monumentally changing, best DC comic ever! Sandman. Sandman. Sandman, Master of Dreams. Yes. Fun fact, that was his tagline, and then it was dropped by the 10th issue. Don't know why. (laughs) It just was. It just changed to Sandman. Maybe he just, you know, was no longer the Master of Dreams. He was like a dabbler in dreams. Well, he wasn't a Master of Dreams at the beginning, and then he becomes Master way later. Because in the beginning, we oh, I'm getting ready. I'm ready. I'm like ready to get into so ready to I am, Guys, Nick, please what? ask me because I need to say why. Why did you give me Sandman and not the song by Metallica? Enter the Sandman, but the graphic novel. Sing it for five seconds. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. And never mind that noise All right, stop. Heard. I don't want to get copyrighted. Okay, so. Because it's too good. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's no secret that Neil Gaiman is my favorite author. Um, I like his books, I like his TV shows, I like his poetry, I like his comics. 
um, this was the first Neil Gaiman thing I read, though. This comic was just happenstance to be in the library in college. I was like, I like comics. Oh, my God, there happens to be a couple comics in the library. Let me check them out. And he also worked in libraries. He spent a lot of time there. Oh, all the time. So much time in the library. <laughs> um, so I checked out all the books that were in there. I, you know, it was a, it was a Marvel Masters of Daredevil. There was a, the first volume of Exiles. It was just random shit. But they also had all the volumes of Sandman. So I picked up the first one. And I read it. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And then I read the second one. And I was like, I still don't understand what's going on. And then I finished them all. And then it all kind of clicked for me. And I'm like, this was the best comic I've ever read in my life. And it'll probably be the best comic that I've ever read in my life. And it will continue to be the best comic I've ever read in my life. And here's why. Why? God, I can't even put it in the words, dude. Uh, like, it's like, it's like, okay. You know when you're a kid? Uh-huh. <laughs> when you're like seven years old. Sure, I've been seven before. Right. Yeah, you can relate. Uh, and somebody introduces something to you that changes your view of life. Like, for example, like when you find out what sex is, like everything you knew changes. Like that affects the way you think about everything else. Sure. Like when you found I, when you found out, when you find out, like there's evil people in the world, like it changes your view of everything you've ever had in your life when you're like a kid. This is what it did to me at like 21 years old because... This was like, wow, I like superheroes, I like comics, but this is fucking art. Like, this is poetry and, like, the bleed. Like, I mentioned it during our Ocean at the End of the Lane podcast. Yeah, I thought you said Ocean's Eleven, and I was like, we didn't do that. Ocean's Eleven, oh, that's nice, bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's waiting for the new movie to come out. Ocean's Eight, coming to theater, you, in November, December, January, sometime soon. January, December, some month. Nice catchy tune. Thank you. Um, but this just book, this book just makes you believe in magic because it's fucking like the way it weaves the, like there's a, to to create something new. I think takes a genius, right? I mean, to make this whole new story, blah blah blah. But that's not what I'm calling this. This is something else because what Gaiman does is he takes all these things that are already there mm-hmm. and creates a thread line between all of them. That makes complete sense. He takes all these different properties and all these different myths and legends and folklore and tales and stories from all these other things. And he makes them all connect in a way that just explains where stories come from. You know what I mean? Like I have a better understanding of storytelling and where stories come from because of the book. Well, that's a great reason. Oh. <laughs> that's a good reason. That's Here's a great reason, reason not to. Here's a great reason. Here's the reason it sucks. Because it does. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you can't hate this book. You get the fuck out of here if you do. <laughs> podcast is over if I hate podcast this Podcast is over. <laughs> okay, so um, what? where does this start? Where? How does Sandman... It starts, start? I will say, in the weirdest, most randomness weird place ever because it does not it's not indicative of indicative of any of the things that are coming it's not showing you any of the prep any of the awesome magic battles tales trips nothing because it starts off with you following this old ass man yeah (laughs) that's in charge of a cult (laughs) doing weird culty things and not like interesting culty things like the boring side of the cult yeah it's uh, funny because it starts off with like a guy being driven into a house and you're like okay what's the deal here it's yeah. a bunch of old white dudes <laughs> yeah. and you're like okay and then he's like hey so can I get this book it's a magic book that I really need and like you're like okay fucking like 
you're right. It's the boring parts of magic. What did you think when you first started reading this? Were you like, fuck I, heck, I well, hate this it's, shit. It's funny because it is a graphic novel, but like graphic novels can be used to tell all kinds of stories, yeah. right? And so traditionally you don't really see something like this where you're like, where the build up, you know, is kind of boring to the point of the story, right? Like, you're not introduced to any of the That's main, one of the, that's one of the good things about graphic novels. Man. It usually doesn't do those things no. because they have less time. They have less page space. Yeah. Page two, you're, you see Spider-Man doing a thing and then you really get into it right away because it's a collection of a, a small arc of a story. Yeah. But with this, I feel like Neil Gaiman was like, no. Like, I'm not going to do this that. This was his magnum opus. It was like, I'm going to take my fucking time. <laughs> I'm going to do the exactly. fuck I want. He's like, I'm going to take my time, and I'm just going to fucking write the story I want to write and develop the characters the way I want to develop them. And you can see that from the first couple of pages, because he shows a lot of stuff that if you're trying to cut down on time and really get to the point of things, that you probably wouldn't show. You know? Yeah. It's super interesting, because he... he's been a writer for years, and he asked... Uh, he's almost like a mentee of Alan Moore, I would say. Because okay. Alan Moore came before him. Everyone, a lot of people who know comics know Alan Moore. Who Watchmen, yeah. Swamp Thing, a lot of really, maybe friend that are a lot of really famous comics. Uh, arguably the best comic book writer ever. Um, arguably against Neil Gaiman. I mean, um, but he uh, is friends with him, and he like asked them to send over his scripts so he can like look at his scripts. So when you look at their scripts, they're very similar. But Neil Gaiman, his scripts are not. They're not like another comic book artist's writer's scripts comic book writers usually like on panel one scarlet witch phases through a wall to meet vision panel two yeah vision kisses scarlet witch definitely panel three they start to make love maybe cut to black neil gaiman does this weird thing i'll find examples later but he does like we open on england i don't know i think it's post-war i think it's post-war because like people are like not really like all put together you know, uh, maybe the guy looks kind of old, but not, like, too old looking. It's super, like, conversational. Like, he's having a conversation with the artist yeah. in his words. It's almost like a letter, well, not a cool script. Well, cool to know, because I was going to say that I absolutely love the art of this. And, I mean, I've gone back and I've read quite a few comic books. Like, when did this come out? The 80s? Mm-hmm. So I've gone back and I've read a few comic books from the 80s and they have a similar feel, right? They have a similar art feel and they have a similar feel in terms of the dialogue. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because people had more patience back then or if it's just the kind of comic books I was reading. But a lot of them tend to be worry and feel more like a novel with pictures. A graphic novel, <laughs> you might say. <laughs> You're a genius! I'm a genius! I just invented a new term! Um... And, and and I find that so interesting because I read Constantine. I went back and I read the 80s Constantine and... Similar. I loved it, but it feels very similar to this. Similar. It's a style. Yeah. The Chris, Com- Chris, Chris, Chris Claremont's um, yeah. X-Men run is very similar to this if you go back and read it. Um, really? Yeah. Like if you read the introduction of the Phoenix and the introduction of the Hellfire Club, it's, it's very similar where the word bubbles are almost half of the panel because yeah. he's saying all this shit... Where he's saying the sun sets and the blah blah blah, and it's yeah. almost like novelly. In while one well, now, it'll just be the panel of the picture. Yeah, there's a huge amount of artistry that goes into certain comic books, and that's why a lot of these like stand the test of time because they become instant classics because they're pretty much novels. Um, and nowadays, you just have, like you said earlier, you have Spider-Man show up and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna punch the bad guy," and then you have a two-page spread of him punching the bad guy, and then it's like a lot of eighty-nine. It, 
is, uh, what, 89 is, the is first when it issue. came out. Okay, yes, 89. Uh, a lot of it feels like it's dependent on the art. Like a lot it was of the 80s, comic books. But it was late. I know comic books are, are like a both a, a visual medium and also like you're reading them, so like you have to see the art, and the art is very important. But sometimes it just feels like the comic books are too dependent on the artist, and I feel like the artist is the one who's doing all the storytelling, mm-hmm. and the writer's not doing much of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. It, it's super interesting if you read the scripts for any of modern day because some people like like brian bendis i've read some of his scripts and his scripts are super detailed like to the point where he's telling the artist almost what to do mm-hmm. um and the the page in my head i have any words on it but you know the writer had so much to do with it and then there's some other ones where it's like spider-man kicks the thing yeah and then it's a big double page spread of Spider-Man kicking the thing. It's like, well, this was all the artists. I like he decided <laughs> the how he kicked them, the expressions, yeah. the background. Yeah. yeah, and and the work between a writer and the artist is it's sort of like a dance. And I feel like Ooh, a hearing dance. you say that mm-hmm. um, about Neil Gaiman's writing to the artist, I, I feel like I felt that come across. Like I felt like there was a good balance of the art telling stories and Neil Gaiman telling the story too. Mm-hmm. And they were working together to yeah, tell yeah. the story of Sanders. It's definitely a, a complete thing. Yeah. You know. So we start off, old man, and he's like performing this weird ritual, and they're being like super vague about what it is. And then he's like, I want to escape death. I want to, I'm not, not going to die. It's, uh, yeah. Blah, blah. And they try to perform ritual to capture death. Uh, but they accidentally catch dream, bitches. And yeah. it's super interesting because you don't even see him in the first issue. You just see him like... In his almost in his costume, yeah, and it's you know, you like don't see him superhero outfit, right? Right, and then they steal his things. And then, the, the, the my favorite part about Sandman in general, about all these things, is nothing happens without consequence, like, nothing happens on its own. Like, they could have yeah. just captured Dream, and then that was it, and then they moved on to the next part of the story. Mm-hmm. But at this, but he stops to tell like three or four other stories while that story is going on yeah. to say, This kid over here. Stop dreaming because Sandman was taken at that time. That girl never woke up again. This per- like it, it like shows you the, the ripple, the bu- the butterfly, yes. like the, yes. the, the the you the, capture yeah. someone, you capture dream, like you capture the person responsible for your sleep, for your nightmares, for your dreams, for the personification it. of dream. We spend so much time sleeping, and you capture that entity. The war, it's going to have a ripple effect in yeah. the world, and they show that. And he does a great job of like introducing you to like i don't know how many examples like five examples mm-hmm. or something oh, no, no, no. four or five examples of people who were affected by this yeah. and, and he could have just said oh, everybody was affected but exactly. he like chose these specific ones to zone in on just to give you that personal feeling about exactly, it exactly to uh, give it more character yeah. and, and to show the personal effects of everything because it's like obviously everyone's affected like people were like oh you know he's he had a line to saying that people like didn't dream that night or something mm-hmm. along those lines yeah um so everyone was affected but to, to make it personal to these specific people and to see how their entire lives are affected by this later on mm-hmm. is really really cool yeah because in like an issue two or three that you you we cut back to those same people and find out what the decades yeah. have done to them because sandman is captured for i forgot how many years exactly but like decades like he's 1916 1920 around that era and he comes back in the 1980s, 1990s so it's yeah. like almost a 60 century. years or yeah. so yeah he's captured for decades and yeah. so having the entity of dream captured for that long is going to impact uh-huh. someone's entire life it's super interesting because like well, let's let's just talk about well two things. First, uh, sure. nice fun fact: during the after the Great War, children were 
having trouble having these weird this weird disease was sweeping called like the sleeping sickness they called it and they never found out what it was or what it what it did but it like killed tons of kids in their sleep and I always had the same thing started with the fever started with this and it was called the sleeping sickness they never figured it out but Gaiman took that fucking fact that that happened in history and coincided it with dreams capture that's what I mean like the the level of connectivity of Gaiman yeah. and the real world and with these myths and with these things he's making up is so crazy. I mean, for him to be like, oh, obviously that sleeping sickness happened because... And I'm sure, I'm sure Gaiman's, like, separation of the real world from, like, the magic world mm. is definitely less than ours. Because I'm sure, a li- I'm sure a little bit in his head he's like, yeah, that happened to those kids because drink got captured. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I bet he, at some points in his life, has thought it's not as much him writing about Sandman as Sandman telling him what to write about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's pulling from the ether this story that, like, it's like when, when the puzzle pieces connect too, just it, too like well. The Bible. Just too well. Well, he he talks about the Bible all yeah, over the place yeah. in this thing. Like well, Cain and Abel come up, yeah, and well, like uh, Eve isn't here. Neil and Gaiman like... really, really enjoys telling mythology stories and mm-hmm. sort of like, and I, I he's made a career of it. Yeah, he's made a career of it. And so mythology tends to be the explanation for things that you can't explain in the mm-hmm. world. And so you're like, why why is there day and night? Oh, because the moon and sun are two lovers who like couldn't be together and they're always chasing each other. Something you know, like it's it's a reason for things. And yeah. so for Neil Gaiman to take uh like that sleepless uh disease or whatever to to take that and give it an explanation is him doing the modern day version of mythology and him creating his own 100%. mythos. And I love that. I thought that's that's like really cool and really creative to who wrote, do. Who wrote the Odyssey? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Homer Simpson. Homer. So I would just say Gaiman's the modern day Homer. Yeah, sure. Hell yeah, yeah. Gaiman. Pew, pew, pew. Okay. So, but I want to talk about um, before we go on with the story about Dream and the Endless because this idea of the Endless is probably the thing that I gravitate the most towards in this story because it almost makes me feel like it's again that thing where it's like almost magic is real because it's just they're not like real but they are like they're they, they explain it later in, in volumes and volumes they explain it where it's like they're, they're seven brothers and sisters right yep and they're the endless uh, as soon as and as soon as time started destiny was born as soon as something was able to die, death was born. As soon as one of those things that could die was able to to think and feel and dream, dream was born. As soon as one of those things was able to have a desire, desire was born. Despair was born. Destruction was born. Um, delight was born. And it, it like, and, and it also comes into like which ones are older, which one is, and they explain themselves to as they will be there all the way up until there's no one left to dream. Destiny will be there. To write the last chapter, the last line in his book at the end of time. And then death will take him. And then death will take herself. And then they will be done. They are the endless. They are there from the beginning to the end. That's They're like the, the, the bookends of the story that is life. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me. What do you think of this idea? Like, obviously death being personified isn't a new idea. But yeah. taking that the idea of death being personified and everything else that is essential to life and being mm-hmm. being personified. What do you think of like that? Like the, the, the concept of these, these seven brothers and sisters, the endless. <clears throat> I think 
that when you try to create gods in your story, it's... <clears throat> you he, made gods. he made up gods. Yeah. <clears throat> he made up gods. 100%. And when you... Normally you run into problems because when you want to tell a story, you create gods, but then you... They're all powerful and, and they're, they created life and they did all this stuff. And mm -hmm. so there's no... You have to sort of make them human in a way in order mm -hmm. to for the readers to understand them. And that's that's why you run into so many problems with like Superman. I mean, you know, people always complain about him being too powerful and stuff like that. And that that's tends to what happens when you create a god. But when you get a good Superman story, it's about his humanity. Exactly. And so Neil Gaiman takes these gods, introduces them right away, shows you how powerful they can be. But then also humanizes them because and how they're fickle and how exactly. judgmental and how envious and how uh, simple. Yeah, they, and they, they, you know? they suffer from the same problems that humans do. And in issue eight, the whole issue is about Samna being sad. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's whole, exactly what the whole issue is about. Um, and his sister coming and saying, "Come on, don't be sad." Yeah, and the fact that they can experience all these emotions—I don't know if they explain it later at all or whatever—but mm. I just kind of accepted it because it humanizes these gods and yeah. they're not detached a lot of times they have this god complex and, and these gods are detached from society they see the, the humans as like lesser beings and all this stuff but you the story starts off with dream being captured by humans like yeah. these weak feeble creatures whose lives end you know and and aren't endless Managed to capture one of the endless, mm -hmm. and so it shows that they are not all powerful. And immediately off the bat, you're these gods that are created have weaknesses. Yeah, and I, I like that. I and like that was when later when Morpheus has to go to hell, like he's scared and he he might lose and he might die. And yeah. it's like they can die. They explain how and why and what would happen if someone dies mm -hmm. because like, um, you met despair, right? Yeah, you met despair. That's not the first despair. Mm. When when an endless dies, it's replaced by itself, but it's not the same. But it is. It's one of those weird godlike kind of things. Yeah. But uh, uh, I accidentally called him Morpheus because later he gets the name Morpheus because that's the name of an Egyptian or Greek or, or something um, god of dream, and it like mm -hmm. it puts him into like the story of yeah. who Morpheus is. Like in, I think it's Greek. I think it's Greek. Roman, Greek or Roman. I don't know. It's Grigor Roman, but he gets that name because Nate Gaiman replaces that god in the old stories with Sandman, and it all makes perfect sense, and it all works, and it's yeah. so, so interesting. Um, uh, this is... So... Uh, 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 <clears throat> these are what we thought so far about the book, but I did get one little message about someone else and what they thought of the book. Oh! Let's play that We got quick. a message... Sandman is a mystical, fantastical masterpiece with rich lore, beautiful artwork, and complex storytelling. That's the only two cents I got this week. Two cents from Andrew. Andrew. Our friend. Yeah. Thanks for getting right then down there in the wire. He said that to me like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> right in the wire, Andrew. Good job. Uh, screw all the rest of you that couldn't do it. <laughs> Um, but that's okay. You have next week. If you guys want to send in your two cents on one of our challenges, you can tweet it at us or send it to our email. Now try this. Uh, uh, what's the easiest way to get it to us? Slide yeah, in, right. yo, slide into those DMs on Instagram. Now try this cast. All right, slide in. 
Yeah, let, guys, we, we mm -hmm. want to hear from you, your opinions about all the challenges. So if you know a challenge is coming up, just reach out to us and we'll get your two cents. You, we will 100% include it on the podcast every yeah. single time. Get at me. Okay, so so after um, so after the old guy gets Dream, right, uh, we weirdly follow the story of his son then and how his son ages and how his son gets old yeah. and how his son keeps trying to like get more information out of uh, Morpheus or Sandman yeah. and he's like no. <laughs> no and he just sits there and he watches them and it's like cool because the guards can't sleep around them and none of that exactly. can happen and... well I, it's so interesting because I one of my biggest problems with comic books in general as a whole is the passage passage of time mm. And it's so weird. I love time. I love time-related stories. I love time travel things. Um, but I feel like with comic books, they they stop time. They they keep it frozen, right? Like you don't want Superman to get too old. You mm -hmm. don't want Batman to get too old. You mm -hmm. don't want Spider-Man to get too old. And and Spider-Man, I like because he's one of the few characters who's have actually grown up. And he's now in his thirties. Gone and through he, life. You know, he's. Dealing with things a 30-year-old yeah, would be. But you know, if like... he's now in his 30s, shouldn't the other characters be in their 50s and 60s, you know? Yeah. Because he's a teenager. Marvel's better it. about it than DC. They are. But they definitely fudge it. But they it. fudge it so hard. And then when there's a reboot, this guy magically becomes the younger. And, it, and it's so annoying. Yeah. It's so boring. Yeah. And I want to see growth. I want to see lineage. I want to see Batman die and pass the mantle to his son. I want to see things like that. I want to see... A whole world, a whole, you know, a whole story being told across many generations. Yeah. And we don't get that, ever. And I thought, when I saw this happening, when the guy who captured Sandman just died while uh, Sandman was still captured, mm -hmm. and then his son sort of took the position of, like, head of making sure he doesn't leave and becoming head of the cult, mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, like, within this one graphic novel, we're seeing the years pass and by. it's also the mastery of gaming because he did that in only a couple pages and you loved it and he like yeah he did it quick he did it but like quick. super but well succinct done. and so like it made sense yeah yeah i never questioned it you know like yeah the cult leader passing on the cult to his son that fucking yeah. sure that tracks and his son not really wanting to be a part of the cult but like knowing that this entity is gonna be pissed off that he was I captured know. for so yeah. long so he can't release him quite yeah. yet and so I found that really Oh my god, and it, so Simon obviously eventually gets out. And the punishment he gives to the son is like eternal waking. Yeah. So he wakes up from sleeping and something terrible is happening. And then right before it happens, it can kill him. He wakes up again and something else terrible happens. And then he wakes up again. And that's, yeah. that's his life. That was the most creative more. punishment. Oh my Neil god. Neil Gaiman could have easily said, oh, like, you're, you're never going to be able to sleep. Or you will always be asleep. Or something Or you're along trapped those lines. in hell. Or you're trapped in a... No, I mean, it is kind of being trapped in a dream. But to, to say that that moment where you wake up and think you're not in a dream anymore and you just woke up from a dream but find out you're still in a dream and that is his re repetitive cycle mm -hmm. and that's his punishment I thought that was cool and very creative we need to get past the big cult things because what happens later is so much more interesting that is true but it's just so good all, all right okay so he gets out uh, he's super weak uh, and one of the reasons is because all his items were taken when he first when he first got captured yes, his, just... his pouch of sand yes. his ruby and his helm yeah. his helm's this cool like it's like card from an old god, and it's like a dream incarnate. It's this weird, cool, yeah. like gas mask, almost looking, which is awesome because it's also an homage to the original Sandman. I'm sure you know the Justice Society version of Sandman yes. that was introduced in '39. 
the way this comic came to be was <clears throat> Gaiman just was starting to gain notoriety in short stories and books and interviews and things like that. And then he wrote Black Orchid. That was his first work for DC, I think. And people loved it. And he's like, Gaiman, what do you want to do next? And I was like, oh, we've been thinking about bringing Sandman back. You got like a pitch about that? And then he was like, no. And then he went home <clears throat> and thought about it. And he was like, wait a second. And it like all clicked like oh, wow. about the endless. And he's like, I do have an idea. And they were like, uh, yeah, do that. And that's where it came from. So it's 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 inspired by Wesley Todd's The Old Sandman. And it's cool. also really great because he explains way later that character shows up. He explains that he met Sandman, where he got the idea, how it all like, it uh, all, like cool. syncs up. Yeah, it's so because cool. Because they show him. They show uh, the Sandman in yeah. the first volume yeah, of the just series. Yeah, like just for like, for like a, a panel second. or something. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's, this is going to pay off. Because, yeah. And I, I thought, I wondered if it was going to pay off because so far, Neil Gaiman, everything that he says everything up, pays off. Pays off. Everything pays off. In some way. Off. Like, everything has a purpose. And it's hard because when you tell a lot of stories, it's hard to remember every single detail and make everything pay off, yeah. right? Like, you can set up a character and then forget that that character exists. It happens yeah. in movies, TV shows, comic books. It happens Comics in every happens form. the most because they change authors so much. Exactly. So, like, oh, I'm going to introduce this character and obviously he's going to go crazy and kill everyone and then I only have six issues and the next guy's like, I don't care about that guy. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> All and the so, time. to have Neil Gaiman But he's the only author off. of this for almost 100 issues and it's yeah. just him. So, yeah. he completes... All of it. And that's good. Everything pays off. I want to see the payoffs. And, yeah. and it's great that he, he gets that done in the series. But I was going to say, it feels like when he loses all his items and has to go on an adventure to get them back, I was like, that's video like game a video level game. One. Video game that level one. That is like one. basic 100%. video games. That's that's every Metroid game It's every ever. Samus game where you start <laughs> off, you have all the weapons, yeah. you learn how to use them, and then you lose them all, and then you got to go find them. Yeah, and you got to go on a journey. And, and then it's that like, got hey, me kids, thinking... Samus is so cool, right? And you're like, yeah. Well, now she's nothing. Exactly. No. And that got me thinking that I want to see like a Telltale game of Sandman or something. <sighs> Like, I would love to see some kind of adaptation written by Neil Gaiman of Sandman. Telltale. Wouldn't that be Dude, fucking cool? That would be the coolest. Yeah. That would be so amazing. cool. Okay, so then he goes on a quest to find these items, right? Um. Well, first he goes back to the Dreaming, and he... Right? Yeah, first he goes back to the Dreaming and to find out. Super cool. Also, oh, God, it's going to take so fucking long to talk about. I got to go it quick. Is. Because <laughs> right when he shows up, it, 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 it starts, that issue starts off with Cain and Abel. And you're like, Cain and Abel? Why? But he's pulling from old 50s and 60s comics because there used to be books called House of Mystery and House of Secrets that Cain mm-hmm. and then Abel hosted. And he's explaining that, yeah, no, those stories happen. It was at the beginning of the Dreaming. There are guard posts at each end of the Dreaming. And they so tell so many stories. It was like... Tales from the Crypt kind of stories. Yeah. And it was like, those stories are coming from the Dreaming, and that's why these houses of Cain and Abel are at the beginning of the Dreaming, and it's like all, like, it all, like, syncs up. Wow. Like, I in the history, that. that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the crazy. mythology of the world and real things. House and of Mystery DC. was a DC story, right? And House of Secret. It was, they were anthologies, like Creepshow oh, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And Cain and Abel hosted them, and that's where Cain and Abel are from, and that's. Why they they're in the dreaming? They they're characters. I was wondering now. about that. I was like, Cain and Abel from the Bible? Like, yeah, hundred percent Cain and Abel. Here? I love fucking Cain and Abel. They're yeah. so like, he's like, open the box, open the box. Oh, what's in the box? Open the box. And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't. which one kills Cain? Cain, Cain kills Abel. Yeah. So Abel's this little whiny, like, I don't want to die. He's like, you're a fucking bitch. I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> he's so fucking bad. And they continue that throughout. The, every time they show up, yeah, Cain's killing Abel. That's so over weird. and over and yeah. over again, over and over and over yeah. again, over and over and over again. It's so funny. It's so interesting. Such a good way to 
explains stories and mythology. Yeah. And th- the whole book is about two things, I'd say. Stories, where they come from, how they affect people. And two is Sandman's journey. He changes so much. Because you can see it. Like, there's a nice flashback where it shows him with um, this his, uh, his old lover mm-hmm. in, like... Byzantine time. I don't even fucking know. It's like way, way back in civilization. The late it the girl. It was before. Yeah, it was, it was before, like before it. it was like God still walked among us or yeah. whatever. But yeah. it was like Byzantine time or like something like that. It was like Mesopotamia. Or it was like real. Right? I think it was, I think it was like older than that. Like You think? I don't know. Because it was. It didn't feel like a but real. But there were people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There were, before I mean, that, there were Neanderthals. So it's definitely know, people. Yeah. So it's well, anyway, people, but it, 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 felt early. it shows it shows him then, and you can just see how much more godlike and fickle and like yeah. conniving and like uh, vengeful he was. And then you can already start to see by, uh, by the time he gets all these things back that he's starting to change. Like something's innately happening to him, and the whole eighty or some odd issue arc is all about that, yeah. about his change, about the change of a guy. Um, but anyway, he goes and <laughs> finds out where his homes are or where his items are. And he's like, which one's first? He's like, easiest one? Oh, uh, some human named Constantine had my pouch? I guess I'll go there first. That sounds easy. It's funny, because he organizes them by how easy they are, because he's, he's so weak. weak yeah. So he has to go for the easiest one, yeah. and then hopefully he regains Super funny, because the second one's going to hell. Yeah. And he has to wait to the third, but... Yeah. Um, what did you think when Constantine showed up? Oh my god, I was so happy. Yeah. Because I, when Constantine shows up, and when he starts mentioning other things in the DC universe, I, I thought Constantine. that was great, because I thought that this might be set aside. No. Like, I kind of knew that it has some effect yeah. and some impact on the DC universe. Like, I thought maybe that would happen volumes later, but mm-hmm. from the first volume, you meet Constantine, a major player in the DC magic universe. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was really cool, especially since I read the... the you know, I Constantine comics Constantine, from the dude. 80s, and I love Constantine. Constantine's so hard to get right, and I, I, and he's so pitch perfect on here. Yeah. He's like, in a, in a, in a place with people more powerful than him, he's like, I, I, should, I should probably leave, but I, I, I'm not going to. Yeah. It's like his attitude <laughs> about everything. Um, do you like Constantine as a character? I lo- oh, I love Constantine. I think Constantine's great. He's one of my, you know, favorite DC characters. He's so hard to get right, but my favorite explanation, I think, was by Alan Moore, mm-hmm. of what Constantine is and who he is, like, why he's so cool, is Constantine has no powers. This is what Alan Moore says. He's like, he's not a magician. He has no powers. He is not all powerful. He's not even that. He's kind of clever. But he does have one thing where he explains it where he thinks. This is just like Alan Moore's theory who wrote Brightson. His theory is that Constantine takes his bad luck and gives it to those people around him. So, like, it's not that he's super lucky. It's just his bad luck doesn't exist when he's around other people. So all the bad shit always happens to everyone else around him. <laughs> and that's, like, his power. That's yeah. why he's still alive. That's why he's still in this world. Which is just so interesting to me. This, that is an interesting way of looking at he's it. He's the bard. He's the bard of the DC Universe. He has no powers. He's just wit. And he's just... Yeah. Ver- he's just also, bad know. things do really happen to everyone around him. Yeah, really, you know? it makes you think, right? Yeah. Yeah. He could be standing in a room full of demons and, like... You know, they miss and they hit everyone the dies. Yeah, yeah, everyone else dies. And somehow he's alive. Yeah, yeah. Every it's time. crazy. It's, cr- it's so crazy. Um, so Constantine shows up. Sandman's like, <laughs> and Constantine's like, oh well, I guess you see. All right. Oh, ooh, I thought you were a myth. I guess we're gonna help each other. Yeah. And they, it's so interesting because they weighed it in this story of Constantine's ex girlfriend who was like an addict that stole the pouch from him and is like addicted to the sand. And, like, they go to her house, and, like, her dad has become the house. Like, the the things that are happening are just so out there. Yeah. 
somehow it all makes sense like in yeah. this world the, i mean the, the comic book is so trippy but when you're dealing with dreams you have to be trippy you have yeah. to be out there you have to think outside of the box somehow because... it grounds it all i i don't get it don't because, don't yeah exactly and it all seems believable it all uh-huh. seems realistic within yeah. the context of dreams yeah and i think that's so creative of him because when you when you are dealing with dreams you have like a blank palette that you can yeah. just paint anything on right so mm-hmm. like nothing is stopping you and sometimes that's terrifying when you're trying to tell a story you're like honestly the the possibilities are endless and so the possibilities are endless (laughs) nice and people people oftentimes take that and have to rely on tropes and stuff like that to tell their stories because they can't fathom the the uh vastness of a blank palette Mm -hmm. and i feel like neil gaiman handled it really well like he took the stories and contain them in reality and at the same time he takes those tropes and he's not like throw them out the window he's like no they're 100 percent here and this is why they exist and this is why they happen and this is how it got created yeah. by some god back then because of this <laughs> yeah, um yeah. so uh so Sandman gets his pouch back and i think the most of besides constantly being fucking cool as fuck i think the most important part of this chapter is uh gaiman's gonna punish the girl Obviously, she fucked up. And then Constantine's like, no, I loved her. And then Sandman, like, has a moment. His eyes glare. And then he says, okay. And then he goes in and comes out. And Constantine's like, is she dead? And he's like, yeah. But she went peacefully. Yeah. Because you asked. And he's like, and you're like, whoa. This isn't, like, this is unlike a god. And then you see later that this is unlike how he used to be. So you can already see, like, Mm -hmm. the changes happening. It's so human. Like, they make him so human, even though he's more than a god he's the endless he's the he is dream you know what mm-hmm. i mean um so anything else about the constant chapter no i mean I, like, we, awesome. we talked about it it was awesome it was great it was good to see constantine good to see him connect the universe together and i mean fucking constantine's great great because the next chapter might be my is one of my favorites of the whole book ever uh-huh. i love this next chapter so he finds out his helm is in is in hell a demon has it and you go, and the concept of Lucifer being beautiful and majestic isn't, like, I understand that's from folklore, that's from, like, Dante's Inferno yeah. and weird Paradise Lost, weird shit like that, like, it's it exists, but I've never seen it before this, and I've never seen it portrayed, like, the way it is in this comic. Like, he gets to hell, and he, and he's pretty weak, and demons are like, yeah, fuck you. And Etragon shows up, and this other demon shows up, and then you meet, but you meet fucking Lucifer, and he's fucking beautiful. In the script, Gaiman wrote to his artist, he's like, this looks like a young Bowie. David, <laughs> Lucifer yeah. is based on young David Bowie. Nice. Like, it's like, he's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what did you think when, like, we get to hell, and well, Lucifer I mean, shows up? I mean, hell already seems terrifying, right? Like, yeah. they show all of demons there, Oh and... my god. Yeah, you know, Sandman's pretty weak. And it just seems so vast. Yeah, Sandman's pretty weak. And so he goes up to Lucifer. He's got a bag of sand. Yeah, and he's (laughs) like, hey, so, you know, uh, someone stole my, was it Ruby? Helm, helm. Helm. Someone stole my helm, and I kind of want to know who did it. So can you, like, just help me out? And Lucifer's all, like, creepy and, like, weird and being like, hey, hell's kind of changed, so I'm not entirely sure. And he's also not the things like, I would help you, but unfortunately, like that yeah. thing where it's like, he, he, like he's oh, I, I'm sorry, I just can't do everything yeah. you ask. I totally would if I could. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so is, that's so is Lucifer. This, is this Lucifer the Lucifer from the DC comic book series or Vertigo series? When Sandman finished, Mike Carey took Lucifer where he ended it with Sandman and uh, okay, so it's the same Lucifer. 
Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. In Sandman, Lucifer leaves hell eventually mm-hmm. and goes to the human world. And that's where the Lucifer comic pits up from. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, super interesting. And so you find out there's other demons that are also in charge of hell, blah, blah, blah. That's all super interesting, like Beezlebud and like these other like ancient... That you recognize the names, but you yeah. don't know what, where yeah. from. He, he's pulling demon names from fucking weird random tomes and mm. the Bible and these other things. One of those demons' name is from one of those things that is like predates the Bible. You know, those things that like aren't canon to Christians. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? That's the, what are they called? The Sanskrit? No, the what are they? The um... New Testament retcon, the Old Testament, <laughs> using comic book terms to describe the Bible. I don't understand what's wrong with that. <laughs> uh, but then a demon shows up and he's like, "Yeah, I got the helm, but I traded for it. I have a fair and square. You can't do shit about that." Yeah. Um, and then he's like, "I challenge you to a game. It's the only thing that seems fair." And everyone's like, "Yeah, that seems fair." And it changes hell to like a nightclub, and. You tell me about that scene before I get into it. Well, I'm it's, just it's, about it's it weird me. because it's interesting that they like decided to to make it a game. Like when you mm-hmm. are playing with demons and things like that, I feel mm-hmm. like it's you know they're always interested in the game or yeah. like the uh, like the the gambling aspect of things, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, the villain or the devil, you'll gamble your wi- your life away, or you'll you'll enter some kind of competition with the devil, and that's very like typical of storytelling. And so to for Sandman to challenge a demon to a game it seems like typical, but it's not a, it's not a usual game. They're doing yeah. this weird like slam poetry thing in a jazz yeah. club where they take turns going back and forth, and it's very poetic. I am a and snake, one poisonous person... and ever venomous. Yeah, and I am so... the horse stomping exactly. on the venomous snake with his hooves of yeah. Power. And it's a weird game that no one's ever played in real life, and yeah. so. But they, talk but about they established it. Yeah, they they established that it's like an ancient game, and they established the rules fairly quickly. So within the first two rounds or so, you understand the rules and you understand how it works. You understand the mechanics, and then you start to pull for Sandman. The moment when he's his inner monologue is going, he's like, mm, "I understand how he's playing this game. I know what to do. I, oh, I got to go on the defensive." And he's like talking about, his, and it's still this still like talking poetry. He's like, "I am the spider, eight legged and fearful minded, and blah blah blah." And then when he's like. I am anthrax. I destroy it. <laughs> and then it's like, oh shit, what's Sandman going to do? Yeah. And Sandman says, I am all life. I am everything. I am the planet. I am the world. And then he says, I am anti-life. I am the destruction. I am nothing. And then he's like, I am the birth of the world. And he's like, I am the end of the world. And then you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then it's just it looks at everyone and everyone's like, what's Sandman going to say? What's Sandman going to say? And Sandman just says, I am hope. My mind was blown so fucking hard the first time I read it. And I was like, oh my god, he got pwned. Oh shit. I was so into it because yeah. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. It was so poetic. And it was the very back poetic. and forth was yeah. almost like a fucking sports match where it was just yeah. fucking intense. And then he wins with I Am Hope. That's that was really cool. So fucking poetic. Because despite the world being destroyed, the Endless still exists right or yeah. just because earth is destroyed or the universe or whatever the well, it's endless just, are still there hope, right yeah and yeah. there's always hope yeah like, you can't argue with that after he, what he said and the guy was like i don't say a fucking answer that yeah <laughs> i am not hope <laughs> i am anti-hope i am anti-hope <laughs> um okay. so he gets the helm the the demon gets destroyed 
And then they like try to stop Sandman. He's like, he's like, yeah, I got my yeah. helm. I'm trying to leave. Peace You're out, serious. guys. Thanks for being cool. And then they're like, then actually, they're like, no. Um, no, you ain't fucking leaving. You are weak and you are here in our helm. Look at all these fucking demons. Like, all the demons are there. All of them. Because yeah. they called them all to find out who had the helm. Mm-hmm. And then Sandman just is like, well, you could kill me. You could take me. But what's hell without dreams? What's, what's hell without the, with the people's hope and the dreaming of heaven? Without the thought of heaven, the dreams of that, what threat does hell hold? And everything just seems silent, and all the demons like part ways, like the Red Sea, and he just walks, and I'm like, oh, he's so badass! Well, I love this too, because I like things, the reason I like Constantine and and so much, and I like comic books like that, is Mm because you're defeating... Uh, the enemy with like cleverness and, and just intelligence instead of just punching them in the face, you yeah. know, which is so so not typical for yeah, comic yeah. books. And that's why I like reading those kinds of stories. I love more. it. And, and the, the whole comic is like that. I mean, he yeah. he's obviously all powerful and has like he can make shit yeah. and blow shit up, and he's fucking magic and shit. But most of the time, it all it all fits it in the mythology, lore, storytelling aspect. So it's like. Yes, he could just fucking blow you up, but he's going to use words and storytelling and weave a lie or say a riddle or something to get like out of everything. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's yeah. such cool storytelling. Um, and, and the fact that Sandman's not powerful enough to just, yeah. you know, blast them all away or whatever, yeah. that makes it for more, that makes much more compelling storytelling. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because it, it makes it sound like even at his strongest, like Lucifer would, might win. Yeah. Like that's how powerful Lucifer is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's super interesting. Like, mm-hmm. to make your gods that you created, that you explained are everything, not the most powerful. There's a there's a chapter later where Sandman intru- uh, invites gods over for, like, dinner or some shit. It's like yeah. some, you know, like, a feast, honoring somebody. And Thor shows up, Odin, Loki, they all show up. Mm-hmm. All these gods show up. But they're all, like... He explains it here. He's... Like, Lucifer is a monarch of his own kingdom, like he is. Like, they're not... He didn't make his gods the most powerful. He's like, all gods are powerful in their own ways, and they all could fall, they could all die, yeah. they could all win. The, you know, it's not set in stone. Which is super interesting. Like, that's not how it usually is. The gods you have are the powerful ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. you make your gods the most powerful because right. you don't want them to be human. You want them to be better than human, you know? You exactly. want to worship them. And that's, that's so typical of normal god-making, but... Neil Gaiman's like, no, God's, you know, they're yeah. kind of people too, <laughs> in yeah. a way. They Fucking suffer from it. the same things we do. Um, so up to this point, it's this is, it's kind of scary. Like, the, the book's kind of horror-y, has a horror vibe to it. But this next chapter is was like, oh... This is a fucking... This is a horror comedy. This is fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they introduced the Ruby thing. How he gets Dr. Destiny. And he has to chase down the Ruby. Yeah. Um, it's really creepy. Dr. Destiny, <laughs> like... Um, from the way he's strong. so terrifying. He, he looks like he doesn't have skin. Yes. You know? <laughs> he's naked all the time. Yeah. And he's in Arkham Asylum. With the Scarecrow, which I love the way... His portrayal of the Scarecrow was hilarious. Awesome. I love awesome. that so much. Awesome. This is like weird, sick guys just telling scaring you about random no fears, just like, scaring people. I'm going to bring the Joker back. He tells the best April Fool's jokes. Yeah. 
What? So interesting, though, because Dr. Destiny is an old Justice League villain that happened to do something with dreams, so he made it all make sense. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. It really is. Like, to, to take anything, like, to really look at the DC Universe as a whole and then dive in and be like, okay, I like this guy. This guy has to deal with magic. Let's bring him in. This guy has to deal with this. Let's bring this person. This guy has to deal with destiny. This guy is dream related. Let's fucking talk about him. It's like he took the encyclopedia of everything and put control F for dream and took all of it (laughs) and put it in in the story. Yeah. It's so interesting and cool. So you meet him. He's super creepy. He's in Arkham Asylum. You find out like he had this ruby that was his and he like tampered with it and it like messed him up but it gave him powers. Um, I forgot. How did he get the ruby back? Um, he, well, he had to escape and it was oh, in a escaped. warehouse. It was just, he just had Scarecrow it. Scarecrow just kind of let him escape? Yeah, they kind of just let him go. Because Scarecrow's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Scarecrow's just like, yeah, when you come back, because everyone always comes exactly, back. Exactly, yeah. So he escapes, um, and he tries to go get his ruby back. Yeah. He goes to get his ruby back, oh, but he sees the Sandman scene, the scene, there. Can you talk about the scene where he fucking oh, pulls my God, over that yes. girl? Yeah, so he, oh, dude, that was so intense. <laughs> yeah. So, so Destiny escapes from Arkham Asylum, and he holds, uh, he finds a car or a woman driving by, and he yeah. ho- holds her up at gunpoint, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, I need you to drive me somewhere." Yeah. And then she does because she's terrified. Yeah. She's hysterical, and she's fucking my my my, my husband's in the mafia. And he, he'll yeah. kill you. And yeah. He's all panicky. But then. They're on the way there, Neil Gaiman decides to write the whole conversation that the they have thing. on the way to And Destiny the tells her about all his troubles as a kid, yeah. and how he just lost his mom. I think it starts off with that. I just lost my mom. And he's like, and she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I lost my mom. And then they start <laughs> connecting and relating. Yeah. And then it just turns into like a nice conversation car ride. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so funny because it's interesting to see him him write something where... You're humanizing the villain in a way mm-hmm. because everyone has back to the stories thing. Everyone has a story. Everyone has their own story Great to tell, say, yeah. and so that's how a lot of times we connect with each other by having similar stories. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was able to connect with this random person who he was planning on killing um, is insane. Yeah. It's, it's it shows how powerful stories are. Um, that despite you know wanting to, uh, with despite having the intention to kill someone you can still kind of relate to them yeah. through stories and then she drops him off and then he's like hey and while he's about to leave she's like good luck and he's like thanks and he's about to walk in and then she's like, he's like oh hey she's like yeah he's like is your husband really in the mafia and she's like no he's a school teacher he's like oh I guess it wouldn't have mattered anyway pow kills him and I'm yeah. like ah damn it why are you doing this to me game it <laughs> I know I thought she was going to survive just to make sure you know he's evil yeah just to make sure you knew Relate he's to crazy him, and a bad know guy know why he did it but he's still fucking crazy yeah so then he goes to the warehouse where Sandman tried to take the ruby but he couldn't because uh, Destiny fucked with it he just kind of leaves him there takes his ruby yeah he's like who the fuck is this guy he leaves him there and then he goes to a diner and the issue is called 24 hours and it's what destiny does in a diner for 24 hours and the issue starts off with you following the waitress and her telling yeah i'm just a waitress on the sign i like to tell stories that's why i like to waitress people tell me their stories and then i finish them i always give them a happy ending and it's like following this narrative and you you meet a couple other people this one girl's having problems with their girlfriend this one couple is there that are having problems and there's it's like trying to tell you all these stories and then it just starts to get a little weird and then you're like what and then you're like, what's going on? And then you find out Destiny 
pretty much is keeping everyone in the diner. Like, he's mm-hmm. stopping them from leaving against their will. Yeah. And then he just fucks with them more and more and more over yeah. the 24 hours. And it's crazy. I, I thought that was so beautiful. And, like, at that point, I was already convinced that I liked this comic book. Yeah. Um, but that was really, like, holy shit. I love this. This is, like, so intense. Wow. So beautifully told. Like, yeah. In terms of Sandman's not even it. Yeah, in terms of <laughs> There's nothing to do with Sandman. In terms of horror, like it felt very creepy yeah. and disturbing and and I liked it. And so I I also feel like Sandman is full of different things that could each be their own like movie yeah. or their own I book. Th- I think that's the genius of this concept, right? Because it's about stories and dreams, right? But since it's so open ended and it's about stories and dreams. Gaiman can tell any story he wants to. Anything that he just randomly comes... At one point, there's an issue that's all about Element Woman. And how her powers are destroying her life. Hmm. And then it, it kind of goes with Sandman eventually. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's about stories. So he can do whatever he wants. Because just randomly one day, he's probably like, What if a crazy guy took over a diner for 24 hours? Mm-hmm. I'll put it in Sandman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so cool to, to be able to tell your stories like, hey, what if this thing happened? And then normally someone would write a whole book about it, but he can just include it in the Sandman story because of how mm-hmm. flowy it is. Exactly. And it bunches, jumps back and forth in time. Yeah. There's random issues that take place in the past and the future. So interesting. The um, Oh, this fucking diner gets so fucking fucked up. Like, this guy is so messed up in the head. Like, you really understand how like people say oh that character's crazy and they do mm. one or two random crazy things and kill somebody and you're like great yeah. he's crazy i understand oh leatherface he's crazy i get it whatever fine okay sure but this guy like they take the time to show you why he's crazy like he makes people fight and then they make people love him and then he just kind of watches tv for an hour yeah <laughs> and then he like makes people fuck and he just kind of like peers over to watch like, he doesn't like yeah. full on watch him he like his hands are in his lap and he's like a kid like oh what's <laughs> happening over there oh yeah. it's so creepy it's so crazy it's really creepy and it's really disturbing like yeah. honestly it's it's pretty disturbing it's super disturbing um, I know if I didn't get you before that I was like oh when he gets to the diner he's gonna be hooked he's, yeah he's gonna be it for sure he loves this weird shit I was it was really weird and I loved it uh, and then and then Sandman shows up and he and they fight and uh, Sandman lures him into the dreaming to fight him on his own turf, mm-hmm. um, but Destiny's totally gonna win. Like to- Destiny totally has most of his power. Yeah. They explained that the ruby was slowly taking Sandman's power away from him every time he used it. So a lot of his essence was in the ruby. A lot of his power was in the ruby. And then Destiny's like, I know you're inside the ruby. I'll fucking destroy the ruby, destroy you, then I'll be king of the dreaming. Pow! So then he destroys the ruby, and then it all turns white. And then he's like, Oh, guess I won. Hmm. Guess I'll be in charge of dreaming. I'll may I'll give everyone happy endings and make everyone a dreams happy. Everything's gonna be great. And then Sandman, he turns a corner and Sandman's there like a hundred feet tall. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "You released all of me. Thank you so much. You gave me back all my power." Yeah. And then he doesn't. He punishes him, but he doesn't like destroy his life because he's almost thankful that he destroyed the ruby. Yeah. It's so weird. It's really weird because this so- guy who's so fucked up. Uh, like good and bad don't follow the typical storylines that well, we you would, said, yeah. or they don't fit the mold that we would normally apply to mm-hmm. comic books, right? Like 100%. the good guy is not going to beat the bad guy. Yeah. Like these are endless beings, and good and bad don't necessarily exist to them in the same way that they do for us. Yeah, I didn't even mention we forgot to mention the Justice League shows up at the beginning of that issue too. Oh yeah, because they they had the ruby in like a lockbox, but then. 
oh, it's fucking genius because in when Dream found out that the Ruby was with the Justice League, he's like, great, I'll go to the Justice League. He goes to the Justice League. And they're like, we're the JLI now. They're Justice League International. And all the Justice League stuff is like up in storage in upstate New York or something. And it like, that's gaming like almost poking fun of the fact that the Justice League keeps changing. Yeah. Because when he wrote that comic in 89-90, that's what happened to the Justice League. They disbanded and Justice League International with Maxwell Lord <laughs> took over. And it's, like, so set in stone in the DC Universe with everything that was happening, but at the same time, having to do with everything he's doing, it's yeah. just so cool. It's both timely and timeless. Like, it's timely yeah. because you're like, hey, this is what was happening. This, like, this is a, a, a glimpse into timeless. what was like happening that. in the DC Universe at the time that this was written. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, I'm reading it how many fucking years later, and I still get it. You know, I don't yeah. need to have known that the Justice League became Just League International because they tell you enough information for you to 30, get the point of the story. Years, yeah. Think, right? Yeah. Holy shit, that's really fucking old. Yeah. It's older than we are. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So he gets his ruby back, uh, he gets his power back, and then the next issue is probably the most famous. Mm-hmm. Because next issue is issue eight. I forgot the name of it. <laughs> but it's, it's when Sandman is feeding some pigeons in a random park somewhere in America and a girl shows up that's wearing black eyeliner that's wearing a black tank top has an uh, Egyptian ink yeah. what's it called? An angst? An ink? It's called it's A-N-K-H I don't know how to pronounce it because I've only ever read it mm-hmm. um, and then it's like what's up sister? and you're like that's death and it's like before now the concept of death being girl isn't it's not a new hat for us but at the time when this came out People were like, what? They were like up in crazy arms because like, what do you mean that's a girl? Oh my God, his sister? What? That is so crazy. And it's just like this cool, because that's always the Grim Reaper. It's always uh, a skull. It's always like scary. It's always like that. And this is like, no, nah, I'm just, it's like a hip, a hip girl, you know, whatever. And then, <laughs> and then the whole issue is just her talking about death and what it means to people and showing Sandman how mortals deal with death and what he's been through and what did you what did you what was your takeaway when this happened because everything stops like there's this big epic adventure he's going to hell he's fighting demons he's going through and then it just stops everything changed pigeons everything changed in that even the tone like everything's almost white and the the art changed everything 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 that could possibly change in the comic book changed yeah uh, it even feels it like the bubbles change, and it took a moment to like speech bubbles. Her speech bubbles are normal, and she's death. That's yeah. so weird. It took a moment to like stop, breathe, and like after this whole long story, take a moment and reflect on it. Like what, what you know, what did it cause? What did it bring about? Because he had a goal and he completed it. But like, what does that mean going forward? What does it mean for him? How yeah. did he never reflected on like the years of being? Um, in captivity. Yeah. Like, he was upset in the beginning. He was like, oh, you know, time passes the same for us as it does for you. So, like, fuck you for holding me for so many years. Um, but he never, like, dealt with it, right? Like, a lot of times you have to deal with the, the trauma or deal with the, the stress of something. Um, and so I like that they took a moment to just have, like, a sort of slice of life uh, issue with <laughs> dream and death. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool. And also, back to the point of death being a girl, like, Death, it's not just being a girl, but it's always, like, just death is this very foreboding, 
um, overwhelming presence. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's always portrayed in most things as something to be scared of. A big guy in a suit and tie, uh, uh, the, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, uh, it's always this know. entity you should be fearful of. But Neil Gaiman presents it in a way of like, it's a part of life. Yeah. Life has to end. Yeah. Life has a beginning and an end, and death is just that end. It's not something to be yeah. scared of. It's not something to be worried about all the time. You shouldn't live your life being afraid of, you know, death that's coming because it's inevitable. And so that he presents it in that way, I thought it was really, really cool and unique to all the other millions of ways we've seen death yeah. portrayed. The um, way later in another issue, death, death keeps popping back up. She's an important character. Um, she even has her own little spinoffs, uh, mm -hmm. a couple things. Somebody made a spinoff manga. Oh. It's really cool. It's real cute. Uh, one issue, though, uh, she's taking somebody, and the person starts arguing with her. He's like, that's it? That's all I get? That's it? It's over? And she's like, you get the same that everyone else gets. A lifetime. And it was just like, oh! <laughs> like, like, death isn't coming or going. It's, 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 it's not predestined. It's just succinctly, that's life. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, in, in the story right here, in issue eight, she takes a baby. You yeah. know? And it's not it's sad but it's not like it doesn't pre like you said it doesn't present it in some dire circumstance it's not super dark and depressing it's just like that's life you know coming and going you know super 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 cool some yeah. people attribute this comic i don't know if i agree 100 percent, but some people attribute the comic at least for being involved with the goth era of people like the way yeah. sandman dresses and the yeah, way he is and the way inspired. death uh, are definitely uh inspired, probably hot, inspired hot, hot topic. Topic. yeah 100 <laughs> that's what a lot of people say yeah you know i wasn't around in the time i'm not i'm not uh, i know music had a big part to play with it yeah um, but he also made someone look like david bowie in the comics so that's like i don't like, <laughs> there's so many things happening so many layers it's like when was the creation of hip-hop happening it's like i don't know there were like so many different things that are happening all at the same yeah. time like graffiti has a big part to do with the formation of hip-hop which is just weird to think about mm -hmm. you know but, um, I mean, we keep talking about the issues we've talked about, or the next issues. Uh, I, we already touched on the issue that came after that, which was the flashback mm -hmm. of yeah. the, uh, his love, his old love. What'd you think of that? Like, the, I thought that was really, uh, again, another weird change. It's, it's weird because that felt more like the old gods that we're used to, where they're like exactly. kind of mean and they yeah. don't, they're disassociated with society a little bit. Uh -huh. Um, so that felt more typical of the standard gods that I've seen in stories before. Yeah. And so, they're vengeful and, like, assholes, pretty much, right? And it's, it's interesting to see that they're like, hey, this is young Sandman. He was an asshole. But now he's a cool guy. He's, he's lived a life. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's had his human moments. Yeah. And so, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And then the issue after this is the beginning of The Doll's House, which is the next arc in Sandman. And some people don't like Preludes and Nocturnes, the first mm -hmm. volume. Um, and I can understand why it, it's a little slow at the beginning. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a little uh, uh, convoluted. Yeah. It's introducing a lot of things. It kind of jumps around. It doesn't yeah. take its time at some points. I get it. Um, but even the people that don't like the first one will say the second one's the masterpiece. Like mm -hmm. it's the Doll's House. The way it handles things in the next volume. You read the first issue at least. Yeah, it introduces this girl Rose, and she's about uh, she's and it's so interesting because she's the kid that one of the kids. From the beginning, who couldn't wake yes. up has because someone raped her while yeah. she was sleeping, and she has a kid eventually that plays a big part in the next eighty issues. Like wow. it, it's all yeah. connected. And then also in this, you find out a couple of denizens of the dreaming, 
uh, got out. Mm-hmm. One's called Glob. One's called something else. One's called like Fiddlers something. Yeah. But then the really important one is the Corinthian. I Corinthian, think it, yeah. yeah. And did you you didn't meet him yet, right? I did not meet him, but they showed like oh like a silhouette, a or something. silhouette of him, and I've heard things. He he's introduced this next book. Yeah, has a convention for serial killers. <laughs> There's a serial killer convention <laughs> where cool. serial killers from the world get together to talk about and share their prizes. Oh of things that got and it talks and it's like a convention like an alcoholics anonymous meeting or like a comic con where it's yeah, like yeah. a whole thing and it's like make sure to come back at two for the panel about how best to hide to disembowel your your people yeah that's crazy yeah it's so good and Corinthian is so scary <laughs> uh basically they ex- they explain it like sandman wanted to make well he has to make nightmares too yeah. but he wanted to make Something that scared even him, or something like that. Oh wow! And it's Corinthian. It's, 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 so, so the next volume is amazing, as is most of the ones after that. There's there's ups and downs definitely through yeah. the series. It definitely uh, there's definitely some are some chapters near the end that feel a little like oh I gotta go finish this thing up. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely the best series run in all of comics. I think one of the chapters has to do with how Shakespeare mm-hmm. and how Shakespeare asked Sandman because Shakespeare was always a good writer but he didn't have good ideas Yeah, he asked Sandman to open up something in his head so he can get ideas and Sandman said sure I'll do this for you but I need you to write me two plays mm-hmm. one at the beginning of your career and one at the end and he says okay sure so he writes A Midsummer Night's Dream for Sandman where Sandman invites the real Titania and the elves and the real Puck to a performance of it because Shakespeare wrote it for Sandman oh, and wow. Puck even kills the guy that's playing Puck and replaces him in the play and then that issue won a fantasy award for books oh, wow. it was the first comic book to ever win I think it was a Hugo Award and then they changed the ruling that comic books can never win again oh, so no. it's the first and only comic book ever to win that award Shit. but that's how like epic and how respect to that issue is and then later you find out um shakespeare writes his last play for sandman and sandman's like that first one was for them this one's for me he wrote wrote in the tempest you know how the tempest is like weird and strange and not everyone gets it yeah it was for sandman that's why cool yeah i like that yeah it it, um i i i can talk about what happens for hours because there's so many don't don't spoil it man because i i like it yeah i don't want to keep i'm i couldn't I like was I, I know I had to stop for the podcast so I can like review more of like what happened and go back and focus on what the challenge was. But like I was like I want to go read it well, right now. You were reading it during the week and I was like, oh, it's, and you're like, oh, I was taking it long. And I was like, I know it's kind of long. Maybe you only have to do the first volume. And you're like, yeah. maybe. And then you kept reading it. I was like, I thought you only do the first volume. It's like, I don't know. I, no, I thought you said two volumes, so I keep reading. And you kept reading. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just so good. It's it, honestly like it's. It's one of the best comic books I've read. Sum, sum it up. Like, why? 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 Yeah, sum it up. I think it's just so creative and, like, it's not a... It's hard because the medium it's using is a comic book or a graphic novel, but it's, like, so different from everything else that's ever been written in a graphic novel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's just so interesting and so unique and so diverse and so... Such great storytelling. Like, Neil Gaiman is a great, great storyteller. And I just, I, I don't know if there is, uh, if there are many better uh, stories told in graphic novels. Nope. 
Some get close. I mean, some yeah. some people argue that Sandman's the best. Some people argue Watchmen's the best. Some people argue Dark Knight Returns the best. Yeah. Those are usually the three. But it's it's always but. up there in the conversation, and and I think it it is deservedly so. Like, Sandman is one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Yeah. So so did you like it? Yeah, I did. But it's funny because I I kept hearing like. I, you know, I've heard Sandman my whole life. People, yeah. you've kept telling me to read Sandman. Yeah. Everyone's been telling me to read Sandman. But it's like ten volumes long. Yeah. It's from the eighties. Yeah, like, oh, that's, I'll and, get to that when I'm an old man. People always say things like, you know, oh, the first volume is pretty bad, but like it gets better later. And I have heard that so many times from people. Yeah, and I completely disagree. Like the first volume was solid. Like it's really oh, good. Wait, wait until you keep. I going. can't wait for it to get every better. Keeps building on what he already yeah. did. Like. Lucifer comes back. Like, he's a part of the story, yeah. you know? This stupid Lucian librarian guy, you find out he's super important to the story of Sandman. Like, it all comes back. And it's so... <laughs> and, oh, you also met some of this Endless? Like, what'd you fucking think... And then we can move on. What'd you fucking think of Desire? Like, Desire is this androgynous woman, man, wanting, wants. Yeah, it it's like, the like embodiment. Of, like, an 80s music video or it's something. It's the embodiment <laughs> of want. Yeah. You know, is what... They are. Yeah. I like have to use the proper pronoun because it's not a girl or a guy. It's yeah. androge. It's like, it, it, and it's super interesting because depending on the artist, one artist will lean towards the woman and one artist will lean towards men. I think the yeah. first time you saw it, it leaned towards women a little bit I more. I think so, yeah. But, but there's totally a chapter where it leans way more towards man and then woman. And then it kind of goes back and forth. Super interesting. Yeah. And then wait till you meet uh, Delirium, who used to be Delight. And then wait till you meet Destruction, and oh, wait till wow. you meet all these other Endless, yeah. and then wait till you meet Destiny, and then you meet them all, and then Okay, oh. okay, I get it. I have a lot to uh, be excited about. Um, and so, so liked, yes, so I liked, liked it. it. I did like it. Um, would you recommend it? I would definitely recommend this. I think yeah. that it's a, it's a beautiful story that's being told. It's definitely not a graphic novel. I guess some it's people, not for everyone. I, I, I feel like I just wouldn't trust some people with it, you know? Sure. Like, it, I don't want a dumb person to read this and be like, it wasn't that great. And I'd be like, you didn't fucking get it and be mad at them. You know what I mean? It's hard because I, I know... Because there's a lot going on. I know sometimes when people like things, they tend to be like, you didn't get it and that's why you didn't like it. And some people won't get this. Yeah. You know? It, there's and, a lot going on. Yeah. But I, I think... But even just on I the surface. I think most people should at least give it, a tr- give it a shot and see what they think. Even just on the surface. It is interesting. Even if you yeah. don't understand all the back matter, the lore, the fucking all the little nods all the i love all the fucking yeah well it's dream not puns like the concept like it it just throws out concepts about stories and dreams like they're nothing like oh yeah stories happen to be the blah 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 blah. and i'm like that's fucking genius and you just threw it away in a line from like b character x (laughs) yeah but but i think it's cool i i think it's a great story um and i think i would strongly recommend it to anybody um and will you continue to read oh definitely I definitely will continue because I want to see more about the serial killer you convention. Have, you have and to keep reading more and talking about it, man. Yeah, I definitely will continue. Because I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it because I haven't found too many people who have really committed to reading it all. Yeah, because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's ten volumes and it takes long. Yeah, but it's totally fucking it took me worth like it. a while to read. The first what a ride! Volume. What yeah. a fucking ride! Oh, thank you for giving this to me because I'm glad you've been telling me for like a, a decade to to read all of these. We haven't been friends a decade. Uh, you've been telling me for a long time to, to read all of these, and I Since haven't I had a chance it. to. So yeah. for the last six or seven years, yeah, <laughs> a long time. Yeah, almost yeah. a decade. Yeah, and this is why I'm Neil Gaiman's biggest fan. This is why I follow his career. Like, there's other things that I've read and that I've only pretty liked a lot, yeah. not loved like this. I mean, Ocean in the End of the Land. I do mm-hmm. love that book. You know, I am really. Liking American Gods, it's, it's I'm having trouble reading because I'm having trouble reading. But, <laughs> but this is the book that I'm like, no matter what Neil Gaiman does or says, I'm he's God. Yeah, <laughs> I will follow him to the ends of the earth. 
because of this comic. Okay, guys. Uh, time for Nick's oh, yeah, Challenge. Right hey, guys. Well, Nick, uh, thanks for tuning tune in. Nick. So now try this. Okay. This is the podcast for okay. young lovers. I gave you a challenge before. On the way. It, no, we still got... It still has one bar. Okay, cool. He goes to zero bars before it dies. Uh, it hasn't. Okay, I've been watching it. So this, <laughs> the, this is the podcast for young lovers who need to find a way to reconnect. What else is this? Who else is this podcast for, Marcus? podcast is for viewers like you. Great. This Sponsored podcast... by PVG. Great. This podcast is also for people eating their morning cup of cereal and they forgot the milk, but they put water in there and it's like, wow, this is good enough. That's this, who our podcast is for. Who else is a this, this podcast, podcast for, for people who love tangents and, and uh, love when two guys get alone in their basement, get real close and start talking about things they love. Great. This podcast is also for all those people that have cats but don't really like them too much because they got the cat after they broke up with the girl and the girl left but didn't take the cat with them and now they feel obliged to keep the cat forever <laughs> and now they happen to have a cat and then they have to take care of all the veterinary bills and every time they get the bill they're like I'll take care of this because it's a loving thing but they have a little more disdain for the ex. What, who that else sounds is, very specific. Who else is this podcast for? I got too real, Nick. Well, well, it got too real for somebody. Well, I don't know who. It got too real for somebody. Is one person sobbing? Yeah. So like crying. Mr. Sprinkles <laughs> just made Kyle in Kansas cry. We don't got no <laughs> listeners in Kansas. Yo, shout out to all the Kansas peeps. Okay, Nick, tweet um, at us and now try this cast. <laughs> Nick, I don't know if you saw this movie. I feel like you said you didn't, but if I did, I'll tell you right now. So know. you're okay, Nick. You're fine. Uh, I'm gonna give you a movie that I I've watched like three times already. Um, <laughs> And I've read the book, and so it's something that I really like, um, I and I'm interested it. to see if you've seen it, because I feel like you said you didn't see it, so I'm just going to shoot it into over there and see if you've seen it. <laughs> Nick, have you seen The Shining? No. Really? No. Okay, that's why, because I was like, I feel like you said you didn't see it, but like it's so famous that it's one of my, you must have seen it at some point. It's one of my biggest holes in my knowledge, because I should have seen it. Yeah, totally, one hundred percent. I'm a cinephile. Yeah. It's one. It's a critically acclaimed one of the scary blah 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 blah. People say, and there's so many folklore about it that I, I know and I've heard. Like yeah. the director tortured the girl to get a good performance out of her, and mm-hmm. all these one one thing like 27 times on a take, and yeah, like, all, you totally I, know. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never watched it. You have to watch it. It can't. It's not Halloween without. Some Stephen King. Can I borrow your VHS player? Because you bought it for me on VHS. I did. <laughs> so, on a previous episode, I feel like you won a copy of I the sure Shining. did. It's full circle. You're the, you're the Neil Gaiman of our podcast. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you See, I drop things and I pay off later. Yep. 27 episodes later, it pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. You could totally borrow my VHS player to watch it. Great. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch The Shining. I feel like this is something I should watch with a person, though. I'm going to try to get a person. Yeah, if you can get a person, go I'm ahead. I'm going to watch Scare Movie. 100%. <laughs> 100% get somebody to watch Dragon it. Dragon Hell was like, I'm like, this isn't going to scare it's me. Scary. And I was right. The Shining might scare you. Oh, shit. Okay. It's pretty creepy. All right, great. Shining. See you next time, podcast listeners, for The Shining. And if you want to leave your two cents about The Shining, you know where to find us. On all the social medias, reach out to us, and we would love to You're hear your two cents. You're sliding into those DMs, bitches. Oh, but before we go, Marcus. Yeah? Please leave the podcast listeners with your two cents about Sam. I feel like bus story about okay. dreams about get, leave them with like give them like like a wise like a like a dreamings for the dreamless like a last like a like a like a ta- like a like a dream dreaming t- tagline sure. thing sure i am the lord of dreams i will enter your 
mind and make you think about things that you don't want to think about. Remember, remember how scared you were to take that test? Well, I'm gonna make you think about that. Remember that time Steven looked at you and said, hey, you kind of fat. I'm gonna make you think about that. I am the Lord of Dreams!